The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The Medical School Headquarters Podcast, session number 135. Hello and welcome to the Medical School Headquarters Podcast, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your pre-med success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help you on your path to becoming a physician. If you haven't yet checked out freemcatgift.com and checked out our 30-plus page report with tips and tricks on how to respect the MCAT, how to do as well as you can on the MCAT, go to freemcatgift.com and download that today. If you haven't also checked out Pre-Med Life magazine, go check them out at premedlife.com. They're a pre-med magazine specifically for pre-meds. Obviously, it's in the name. Pre-Med magazine comes out every other month. They have a ton of articles online as well. They have a print magazine that you can buy. A lot of undergrad schools carry the print magazine. If your school doesn't, go ask them to. premedlife.com. All right, today's guest is somebody who has overcome a lot to get into medical school, and he finally has an acceptance. We'll talk about that acceptance and where he's going later in the show, but I don't want to give out too much information. We'll dig into how many times he took the MCAT. We'll dig into how many times he applied to medical school. And we'll talk about why he kept persevering, what he kept trying to figure out that he was missing, and how that journey has finally landed him an acceptance to medical school. So let's go ahead and jump into the interview with Brian. Brian, welcome to the Medical School Headquarters podcast. And first, let me congratulate you on your acceptance to medical school. Hey, thank you very much. I'm very happy about it. it. It definitely is a great feeling. So this feeling that you have has been a long time in the coming for you. Tell the person listening right now how many times you've applied to medical school. The current cycle was my fourth attempt at applying to medical school. So not your first, not your second, not your third, but your fourth. Fourth time's a charm in your case. Definitely. So I, I want to dig into that because as we were talking before I hit record, I find it frustrating when I talk to students who apply once and don't get in and give up. And that's it. To me, that means they really didn't want to be a doctor, which is maybe why they didn't get into medical school. Maybe something showed on their application to kind of raise a red flag to the admissions committees that they weren't really ready or really prepared to go to medical school, which is why they're kind of giving up so easily. So we'll dig into your four times applications and 
really what drove you to keep reapplying. But I want to jump back and talk about when you initially decided that you wanted to be a physician. When was that moment? I would put that in my freshman year of college when I, I'd been a hockey player and I really became interested in you know, how the, the human body functions and how to perform at high levels. And I also, since I was a hockey player, I also just started college sort of at a tech school, but the tech school really had some good teachers that really sort of inspired me. And I did really well in school. And I just, it was sort of a really change for me that I thought that I, you know, I didn't want to be an athlete. I would rather do something that, you know, involved helping people and, you know, a lifetime learning experience. And that was the moment where I decided medicine was for me. Okay. So I've asked this question before. So the whole helping people part, I always throw out the window because you can help people in any profession. There had to be something else that drove you to medicine in particular? Was there any exposure to the medical field, any physicians in the family or nurses in the family? What drove you to the medical field specifically? I definitely do not come from a family of physicians and most all of my family members are not even in science. They sort of use the other, more of the, you know, history and things like that. So, I would say that one experience was as a hockey player, I was injured many times and I found myself in the hospital a lot, you know, getting x-rays and and other things. And I just, you know, sort of had an affinity for the, the doctors that were working with me and just the whole process of interacting with them and trying to heal myself. And that, I would say that that was a pretty important aspect of me choosing medicine. Okay. So uh, more along the lines of you being exposed to medicine and healthcare as a patient. I would say that's true. Okay. So talk about being a freshman in college and going to tech school. What kind of tech school was that? Was that like a community college or was it a specific trades kind of school? It was a, a technical college that had college transfer courses. So you could do, you could almost accomplish your first two years of college and then transfer into a four-year school and and earn a degree. So they also gave a lot of the pre-med requirement courses. So you could do all of your chemistry and your physics and intro biology. You could take that there as well. Okay. So more along the lines of a a traditional community college as, as most people would think about it. All right. So you decide you wanted to be a pre-med in your freshman year. At that point in time, how did you go about seeking information to start gathering and start plotting your path to medical school? So I am older. So I'm 35 years old. So this goes way back to about 1998. And so things were a lot different than today where everything is available on the internet. And so 
my approach to find out the pre-med requirements is that I went to the four-year school, which is located where I live, UW-Madison, and I walked up to the pre-med office and they had some brochures that listed the coursework that was required to apply to medical school. Okay, so you did some legwork and you, you checked out the local school, which is awesome. At that point in time, internet was just coming online. We're the same age, so we went to college, it sounds like, at the same time. I remember the old AOL dial-up days. That was, <laughs> that was awesome time. You go and get that information from one school, and is that what you use to kind of plot your whole journey? That was. It was, you know, basically at that point, it was what coursework did I need to become, you know, a candidate for medical school. And as well as, you know, I learned about the MCAT exam. And so that was, for the most part, pretty much all that I did. I didn't really even talk to many advisors about it. I sort of just staked out on my own that path. Okay. So you have your information, you're plotting your path. What type of student were you? I would say I left high school and I was more of a jock, really athletic type person. So I put more effort into sports than school. So I was I would say I was an average student, but in college I really got serious and I really tried to study hard. And so I did pretty well, but by that point I hadn't really gotten into the hard sciences, you know, the the chemistries and the physics. And so when I first started to take those courses on, that was a, a little bit of a challenge to become the type of student that could be successful in those types of courses. How did you overcome that? It was a lot of just grit, you know? I mean, I remember staying up all night long studying and just, you know, really putting everything that I had into my coursework and, you know, trying to, it was, you know, I would seek out my instructors for help if I needed it, but I I was really sort of developing my study skills and my test taking skills at that point. I like the word that you use there, developing, because I think a lot of people don't focus on that enough. They just take the tests and do their homework and study the way that they've always studied and don't actually turn that into a science in of itself of trying to understand the best way that you study and the best way that you take tests and the best way that you learn and trying to hone that skill as well. So I'm, I'm glad you used that word, develop. I agree. and. I'm still doing that today even, and I'm sure when I start medical school, I'm going to, you know, that's something that I'm going to have to, to deal with too. So, you know, it's, it's a never-ending process of becoming a better student. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. All right. So you're on this path. You've learned your pre-med courses. You're developing your skills of becoming a better student. What... At that point, were you still on the path of applying to medical school and and trying to start medical school as soon as you finished your undergrad? 
that was the goal. When I left the community college, I'd completed almost all of the pre-med requirements. And so when I transferred to UW-Madison, I really had to do the final two years and decide a major to accomplish. And I also took the MCAT in between going from, you know, finishing up my work at the tech school and going into the four-year school. So I took the MCAT then. And so, you know, I really was sort of, that was the idea that I was going to transfer, you know, finish up my degree as soon as possible and try to get into medical school as soon as possible. Okay. And this time frame, I'm assuming you took the MCAT right around when I did and it was still a paper-based test, right? It definitely was. (laughs) The glory days. (laughs) Kids these days just don't understand. (laughs) Um, That's awesome. All right. So let's talk about the MCAT. How did you do on your first trial of the MCAT? I did very poorly. I got, I only scored an 18, so it was pretty bad. And That was the thing that was a problem for me is, you know, I'd taken the ACT in high school and did, you know, good enough, not excellent. So I I wasn't a really good standardized test taker. And I really didn't know what I was doing in preparing for the MCAT. You know, my approach to preparing was to go through all of my old notes from all of my physics and chemistry and review that, you know, and I think I might have purchased like one test and tried that. So it was a really poor form of studying and I did it all independently. I didn't take any courses or anything for help. So it was, you know, really not a good, a good way to study at all. Yeah, probably not. Do you remember back then getting advice on how to study for the MCAT or was it just something that you said, oh, it's just it's another test, and this is how I always study for tests by rereading material and taking a practice test here or there. Is, is which one was was your path? Yeah, I actually had a I had a job in the summer in a library, and I was tutoring chemistry and so in math. But it was kind of weird that there was barely any students that came in for help. So I had this like full time job that where I just sat in the library and basically studied, but. I talked to some of my instructors for, I remember my organic chemistry teacher for help and told him I was planning on taking it. And, you know, they really didn't have much advice for me because they had never taken that. So I really, you know, I really didn't have any advice. And also at my school, there wasn't any other students that were like pre-med that I was close with or taking courses with. So I didn't really have anybody else to work with either. Okay. So you weren't part of any kind of pre-med clubs or anything that would ex- expose you and, and help you collaborate like we always talk about? Definitely. I don't think we had one at our school at all. Okay. That's unfortunate. All right. So you get that 18. And what did you feel when you opened up that envelope? To be honest, I mean, I was pretty disappointed, but I really didn't have a, a really good grasp on, you know what I needed to get to be, to get into medical school, I might've had some idea of like the averages for most medical schools. And so I knew that I was below that, but it was, you know, 
it definitely wasn't, I wasn't real happy with it. Yeah. And did you apply to school that time with the 18 or what did you do next? What were your next steps? I did. I applied. I actually, I'll take that back. I did not. I don't think that I ever did apply with that because I needed to, I didn't apply for like three or four more years because it, I spent more time as an undergraduate when I transferred than I expected. Like I spent more time there taking extra courses and stuff like that. So it, I actually took the exam that I first applied with later down the line. Okay. What was your reasoning for taking the extra courses, the extra time? I would say that, well, for one thing that when I entered the four-year school, you know, with this idea that I was just going to get through it as quick as possible, that was a poor approach because I, I really loaded myself up with too many credits and you know, and they were challenging courses too. I was a biochemistry major. And so, you know, it was, the grades really suffered. And so that was frustrating. And also I sort of got a little distracted and, and really got interested in research and, you know, even taking more advanced coursework in the sciences and in chemistry and engineering and physics. And so, you know, I, I spent an extra year in school basically taking courses that I really didn't need. <laughs> you just liked being a student. Yeah, I really got, I don't know. I mean, people don't like chemistry and they don't like physics and they don't like math. And I, I don't know. I mean, to me, I just love this stuff. I mean, even math, you know, I mean, I took like senior level advanced calculus and, you know, I didn't need that. <laughs> and, you know, and so I don't know, I, I just really got just fascinated with the sciences and just wanted to learn everything that I could. But, you know, I really didn't need that coursework for medical school. So I was a little bit unfocused, I would say. Okay. Okay. And I'm sure the maybe the 18 on the MCAT kind of distracted you a little bit and maybe you, and I'm just kind of thinking outside the box here, maybe, maybe you got a little distracted and maybe a little discouraged and we're looking for other things to do and kind of postponing your applications or maybe figuring out if maybe it, it wasn't for you. Yeah, I would say in one thing that, that also happened in that period too is that I took a physiology course and I did that when I was taking all these other courses that I, a lot of them I didn't even need. And I did really poorly. I got it like a D in the physiology. And that was a real blow to me because, you know, I was just like, how the heck can I ever go to medical school if I can't do well in physiology? And at that point, I sort of even sort of drifted away from medicine, starting to think that, you know, I just didn't have what it takes to become a physician. Yeah. Okay. The next time you took the MCAT, what changed and how did the score reflect that change? So after I graduated, I I got a job and I got into research. I did that for a while, but I took a, a Kaplan course, a classroom course. And so that was helpful. And so, you know, I, it was more 
organized and there was a lot of practice exams. And so that was helpful. But I really, I don't think that I really took it serious enough. I was still distracted with other things. And so I I did improve the, the score up to a 22. So a slight improvement. But you know, still not very good. Okay. Now, in in total, how many times have you taken the MCAT? I've taken the MCAT nine times. Nine times. And your best score has been? The highest score that I got was a 33. Okay. So something clicked somewhere where you started to figure out the, the game of the MCAT. What, out of the nine times... What finally worked for you to to understand how to do well on that test? I would say that I reached the point where I was really serious about it. And I was just like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this. I'm going to, you know, I looked at the scores that were, you know, what most medical students needed that got into medical school. And I sort of set those as goals that I wanted to accomplish. And I just really went out and got all the materials that I could find and all of the practice exams that I could find. And I really just, you know, really put my nose to the grindstone and just studied as much as I could. You know, I mean, I would spend a lot of my days working on the MCAT really you know, in, in verbal reasoning was sort of the area that was trouble for me. So I really spent a lot of time, you know, working on that, trying to get better. And I would say doing problems too, because previously a lot of my approach was reading the material, studying the book, but I really got into the problems. So, you know, even if I wasn't taking a full length exam, I'd work through a bunch of problems. And so I really, I think doing the questions, that really makes a big difference. That's a huge difference. When you said you struggled on verbal, I'm sure anybody listening would would have that same kind of gut reaction because verbal for me was my worst. I got a seven in verbal and tens in the sciences. I was a slow reader. My vocabulary isn't that good. What did you do to work on your verbal skills? So I sort of, that was a way way to that, you know, I thought, well, hey, if I just go out and get some books and I read my books, maybe that will help. Well, that's not a good way to, to go because it's really a matter of reading and comprehending that and being able to answer questions under, you know, time constraints. And that's the skill that you really need to develop. So I went out and tried to find all the verbal reasoning problems that I could find. And so every verbal question that I could find, I I did. And I just practiced those. I started out where, you know, because my problem was I could never get through all the questions. I would always leave like one passage undone. And so I sort of started out just not timing myself, just trying to do the questions and get, you know, work through it. And then, you know, and and get the right answers. And then as I progressed, I would, you know, start watching the clock and trying to get it under time. And so I just practice and practice and practice, you know, every day 
two hours of my day were going to be on verbal reasoning. And so I just got into that habit. I guess I took the weekends off. I didn't do it like every day, but you know, I really, I really knew that, Hey, verbal reasoning, that's got to be a part of this day. And it just sort of, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really something, at least for me, that the more that I worked on it, the better that I got, you know, it just, I built myself into becoming a better test taker and and being able to do it better. Good. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier about developing your skills for test taking for studying and all of that. So that's, that's awesome. What was your second highest MCAT score? 33 you said was your highest. What was your second highest? My second highest was 30. Okay. So still a great score. And so we could probably dive into a whole other discussion on why you decided to retake it at 30. But I want to start talking about your applications. Where do you think you fell short on your three prior applications? I think that I made all the mistakes that you recommend to, you know, your listeners on your podcast. I, you know, I I don't recommend any mistakes to my listeners. (laughs) You mean, sorry, I recommend to avoid. Yes. Okay. Okay. Good. I'm sorry. I I misspoke, (laughs) but I waited and applied way too late, you know? So in some of the, the cases I applied like November or something like that. Before the deadline, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The deadline's November 30th. I'll apply November 15th. I'll beat the deadline. And then I would say also I did a really sloppy job on my essays and my activities descriptions. I just thought that, hey, if I sit down on the computer and type out a little personal statement, that'll work. But, you know, that was another another error. I think also... um, Spreading yourself out and applying to a, a more broad range of schools, that's part of it too. So, How many schools were you applying to in your first couple applications? My first application, I think I only applied to one school. In my second one, I might have only applied to like a couple of schools. So it was really, you know, very few schools. Okay. So a lot of mistakes on your prior applications. I would almost kind of throw those out when you ultimately figure out how many times it took you to to get into medical school because those really were were not good efforts. And this is something I when I talk to students about the statistics of applying to medical school and the statistics of getting into medical school There are a lot of students like yourself who have your former self, who have a poor MCAT, maybe bad grades. We haven't talked about your GPA, but it's a decent GPA. But bad MCAT, bad GPA, applying really late in the application cycle, doing a a half-hearted job on their essays and the rest of their application there are a lot of people applying to school with that type of application. And so when you see that the acceptance rate is only 44%, it's really not 44%. When you actually weed out all of those people that kind of self-select themselves out of getting a spot, then your odds of getting into school are, are a lot better. So what 
this fourth time you finally get into school, what changed for you? I think that I really tried to pull everything together. I tried to learn from all of the the mistakes that I had made. I really, you know, I worked on that MCAT. I got that up. I also worked on the coursework and I got, I did a lot of more coursework and did really well. And along with some more clinical experiences. And then I topped that off with trying to put together a solid application and use a lot of the advice that, that I got from your podcast and from you, all of the ideas that, you know, to really make a strong application, you know, by applying early, applying to more schools. And so I really tried to put in a solid effort and tried to, you know, work on all aspects of the application. Good. And it, it worked. How many interviews did you get this application cycle? This application cycle, I believe I had six interviews. Okay. And you got one acceptance out of the six interviews? One acceptance. And that's all you need, right? Definitely. What did you do to prepare for your interviews and what do you think was the hardest part about them? I, you have a great thing on your, on your website that teaches you about the medical school interview. And I found that very helpful. I went through that several times and I really tried to follow all of those ideas. I also was able to do, I did a lot of mock interviews. I did one with you and then I did several other And so I really practiced a lot, like when the application cycle was, when they were just getting out the interviews, I think I was doing like a mock interview every week, just about. And so I really practiced how to be comfortable and how to answer the questions correctly. And I also, you know, used my experiences that I had from interviews in the past that were unsuccessful and tried to learn from those and tried to not make the same mistakes. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely. And we didn't talk about your your other applications. You did get interviews prior to this application cycle, but for whatever reason, didn't get a spot then. But you got a spot now. You're going to where? I'm going to Toro College of Osteopathic Medicine in New York. All right. And Toro has a couple different medical schools, but you're going to their, I think it's their newest one in New York City. That's that awesome. is, yep, I'm excited. Congrats. Thank what, you. What has been the hardest thing about this whole journey for you? I guess, you know, I really learn by making mistakes. And it it seems like, you know, it, the process has really dragged on for a long time. And it, you know, it really took it you know, a long time um, to finally get accepted into medical school. So, you know, I I wish that maybe I could have not had to go through all of the difficulties and hit all the roadblocks along the way, that it could have been a little bit smoother ride. And that would have been nice. For the student that we were talking about earlier, who is applying this application cycle, 
and is coming near the application cycle end and hasn't gotten their acceptance yet and is deciding whether or not they should try again or if they should just give up and move on. What have you learned from applying four times and finally getting that acceptance that you could tell that person that's ready to give up after one? I would say you need to decide if this is really what you want to do. You need to to make up that decision. If you're willing to just give up, you know, with, you know, not getting in at the first attempt, you know, maybe medicine isn't really what you want to do. And I would say, really look at the big picture. Look at all aspects of your grades, your MCATs, your clinical experience, how you put together your application. Look at all of those aspects and try to maybe figure out, you know, what things could have been the problem. And I think that you know, if you can get feedback from the schools or other advice on it, great. And so I think that realistically, you know, if you you need to determine, you know, what you need to improve on, and then you're going to have to develop a strategy on how to improve that. And it might not be that you're going to be able to accomplish this in one year. I mean, it's amazing how you know, a year seems like a long time, but like it really flies by and it's hard to work on your MCATs and your grades and all that in just such a short period of time. So you, it might not be that you're going to be able to apply the next cycle if you have more ground to cover. And so you really need to improve. You don't want to just send in the same application the next time. You need, you need to make some improvements in it. And I would say that, you know, if it's really what you want to do, you're going to have to put in the effort. But I think that, like in my case, I think that there's a bright light at the end of the tunnel that if you, you know, work hard and do everything you can to get better and and make a better application that, you know, your chances are that you're probably going to get into medical school eventually. All right. That was Brian. Again. Congrats to you for your acceptance to medical school. That's awesome. One thing that Brian kept talking about is something that I talk about a lot on the show is course correction. We didn't specifically use those words while we were talking, but it popped into my mind afterwards. And it's course correction. Figuring out what you're doing wrong and figuring out where you are now, where you want to be, and what you need to do to change your habits, your whatever you're doing to get to where you need to go. And I use this example a lot of plane fr- flying from New York City to Los Angeles. That plane over the course of that six-hour flight is going to course correct probably hundreds of times because it's never a straight line. The wind will knock it one way the power settings may be wrong and it gets a little bit off course and the plane is constantly course correcting. And that's what you need to do as a student, whether you're in high school, whether you're in college, whether you're a resident or a medical student, it, it doesn't matter. You're constantly course correcting, figuring out how you've done today and if it met the standards that you're trying to reach up to and how do you do better tomorrow. So course correct. 
So Brian, again, congratulations. I hope you've learned something. You listening, I hope you've learned that it's not always as simple as it seems. Just because you don't get in the first time doesn't mean that you're not cut out to be a physician. It just means you did something wrong and you need to figure it out. So I do want to thank one person who left us an awesome five-star review in iTunes. If you haven't done this yet, you can go to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. It takes 30 seconds. Leave us a rating and review. This is from Matt at UL. He says, portal to success in a long winding tunnel. That's awesome. He says, if you are pre-med, this podcast needs to be on your weekly checklist. Homework, study, coffee, study, medical school, HQ, sleep, study. That's a good checklist. As long as we're in there. He talks a lot about some other stuff as well. So thank you, Matt at UL for that rating and review. Again, medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes to leave us a rating interview if you have not done so. Again, go check out freemcatgift.com if you haven't yet downloaded our 30 plus page report and go check out premedlife.com for some awesome articles about premed journey and some good issues there as well. I hope you've learned a ton of great information on this podcast today. We have a bunch of good interviews coming up in the future for you. And as always, if you have any questions or suggestions, You can email me. I'm ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters Podcast. 